Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is episode 17 of the Nonsense Podcast. I feel like our next guest doesn't really need an introduction. I'm going to give him one anyway. This is Jake from Sleep On It. As you know, Sleep On It is an amazing band. These guys have awesome songs. They just put out a great album actually last year called Pride and Disaster. Uh, They were going on tour just before everything shut down, so they had a few shows that uh, they got into, and we were able to speak about that during this interview. Um, Jake's an awesome guy. He brought a lot of great enthusiasm and a lot of positivity to the interview. I think everybody's going to really love it. Um, I can't wait to reconnect with these guys and, you know, finally, hopefully get to see Sleep On It tour next year. They have a lot in the works and, uh, yeah, they're one of the hardest working bands I know. So without further ado, enjoy the interview and we'll talk to you next week. Uh, I'm good guys. Uh, I'm, I'm honored to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right. It's, uh, you know, we're in, we're in still quarantined in chicago here not uh not exactly able to do a whole lot but uh you know that means i've had a lot of time to work on music which is cool now are you right in the city or are you uh in- well, we're, we're definitely in the city uh northwest uh part of the city logan square as it were oh, there you go you guys have a song named that right we do yes it's very yeah. much about <laughs> about where i live in the neighborhood i live in that's crazy how long have you been there um for eight years now no way. Yeah. That's well, possible. Chicago longer, but the this specific house, uh, eight years. Wow. Yeah. So I actually had a question because um, today I was, you know, trying to figure out what I wanted to say in the intro. And um, so I wanted to get your opinion on this because I, I noticed it was a big topic online. For sure. Is, is Chicago part of the Midwest? It is. Absolutely. Okay. Cool. Because I even saw like a heat map and it had state by state who like considered themselves in the Midwest more versus others. (laughs) And it was really funny because like states that were west of Chicago would not consider themselves like Midwest, but were close enough to consider it. Yeah. Just me nerding out. But it's like that New York argument. (laughs) The concept of Midwest always is weird because the West Coast is really far from here, but it's yeah. the Midwest. There's no Mid-East, but there's a Midwest. You, like, you, I, I always sort of like, the East Coast is, there is no Mid-East. It's the Midwest, but it's still like <laughs> 2,000 miles from the California coastline. Yeah. Which always, like once you start touring, you realize just how far away the West Coast is. And you're like, it's not really the Midwest at all. It's kind of like Mid-East. Yeah, you're like, we're not, we're not even in the middle. <laughs> we're not even in the middle. The middle is like Kansas and, you know, uh, Oklahoma. That's like the middle yeah. of the country, you know? Another 10 hours west, but say la vie. That's like, it's like New York. It's like the biggest, the biggest argument in New York is like, where does upstate start? Yes. From like, it, it's, so that's, that's what it sounds like. It's like, where does the Midwest actually start? Who's to say? <laughs> oh, exactly. my God. I, I, we'll, we'll pivot off of this quick. But um, I saw a really funny graphic on, I think it was, like, Facebook. Because some, like, 60-year-old lady shared it. And it was, like, it was like New York City is not upstate New York. And I'm like, who the fuck ever said it was? 
I think that's the only place that's definitely not. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, I thought we established these rules since the beginning of time, but apparently I'm wrong. We're up, we're up like near Poughkeepsie in Dutchess County, and so like everyone up here is like, it's like a if you want to like you can you can like lose friends over this argument of like where does upstate starts and like up around here, because like there's like half of them like nah we're not upstate you have like yeah we are. <laughs> Seems a bit trivial to dispute, but I understand. It gets tail as old as time, it's, man. It's intense. It's very intense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Jake, um, yeah. I, you guys, I mean, I can't, I can't say enough good stuff about you guys. You had quite the schedule leading up to everything, you know, came to a halt. Yeah. I saw you guys had a ton of festivals lined up. Yeah. Um, you know, a, did the Pride sad. and Disaster tour. Yeah. Yeah, we had a lot of really cool things going on, uh, but, you know, it uh, looks like all of it's just rescheduled for next year. You know, I think a lot of it's just going to loop back around a year from now, um, uh, given everything pans out the way it should. But yeah, we had, you know, four chord fest and then that got postponed for a year, you know, probably next summer. And we were going to do slam dunk. And I think that is also getting postponed. Um, and, you know, there's a bunch of stuff that we haven't even announced yet that is also probably getting postponed. Um, and yeah, and the tour itself, you know, we got about 10 days into Pride and Disaster. Shows were selling out left and right. We were so excited because it was our first true headlining tour we did uh, since we were just starting the band. Because the first, technically the first few tours we did, we headlined. But we weren't a real, like, we weren't an established act yet. So we headlined out of necessity, not because we were in demand. Um <laughs> And uh, yeah, this was the first one where we were like, yo, people care about our band. So it was extremely, extremely bittersweet to have it cut short. Um, yeah, and uh, it, it sucks for all of us. We're all bummed out about it. But there's not a whole lot you can do. We know that every other band in the entire world is suffering the same way. And there's literally nothing that we can do. And dwelling on it and being sad about it doesn't really do anyone any good. So I've just been trying to find the positives and everything and uh, moving forward from there. But yeah, we had a lot of really cool stuff happening to the band, uh, especially in the last eight, eight months of our career. You know, we put out Pride and Disaster in September. Uh, we're on some really cool tours. Um, you know, our songs really started to pick up traction, uh, but uh, the music's not going anywhere and neither are the fans, you know, when all this stuff pans out, I think we're going to see just the same level of enthusiasm and maybe more, you know, with time, we're just going to pick up more fans. I'm hoping, anyway. So, yeah, I I think people are, you know, for lack of a better term, really foaming at the mouth right now to get out and see shows. Yeah, especially as like the summer's upon us, and you know that's when everybody tours. Yeah. So, and we're probably not going to see a single one. Ah, <laughs> uh, I I know it's a real bummer. It's real, but it's, you know, but it it was cool to see that you guys, you know, you've at least built yourself up to where you know, you have these things established and to your point, yeah, it's going to be postponed. Yes. But once it opens up, once everybody feels safe again, which, you know, I think is going to take, you know, about a year or so. Yeah. I'm no medical expert, but you know, just I as think, a human being, I think that's my opinion. Widespread testing uh, in like every Walgreens in America, you can go get a coronavirus test. Um, and, you know, we reach a certain you know, two thirds of the population has either had it and recovered from it, you know, or, or been in contact with it. Then you'll really see things level out. Um, yeah. And of course, a vaccine will absolutely help. 
Um, but I think obviously we're, we're, you know, another four months from what I just said, you know, widespread available testing. Most of the countries had it at one point. It won't be as there's big been a, a There's been an article going around. I, I don't know if you guys saw it or not, but they were, they were talking about, especially, you know, smaller, doing some small, like testing out smaller shows and venues and stuff starting. They're saying like maybe, maybe August more towards the fall, but they were saying that, uh, crowd surfing, moshing, and, like, standing up by the stage is, like, prohibited, and, like, you can't buy merch there. Like, all merch has to be, like, hand, like you can't, uh, has to be, um, what do you call it, wireless transactions and all that kind of yep. stuff. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, there, there's a lot of talk about, you know, doing, a uh, like, a small cap show in a very big room, so there's a lot of space. So it's, right. it's not tempting to do moshing, you know what I mean? It's not as tempting to, like, crowd surf and stuff like that. But like, how do you enforce that, right? Like, there's no. Yeah. Like, what you're is they're not supposed to crowd? Most venues now they don't want you crowd surfing, but you know, people. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. What is the venue going to hire an additional ten security guards just so people don't <laughs> surf? And by hiring yeah. extra people, they they incur the risk of infecting more people. Like, it just doesn't seem logical. So it's like, all right, you can have shows, but like, I don't know, what is it, an acoustic one with everyone sitting? Like, I, like I don't yeah. know. Like, yeah. Hypothetically, yeah, you could do something like that, but there's also concerns over like air air conditioning systems spreading the virus because it's a you know it's airborne. It can be airborne, and you know the middle of summer, you know, air AC is going to be on. Like, right. Even if the venue's big, it's like that's still you know some degree of risk that someone's going to get infected because it's circulating. Yeah, maybe not everyone. Not, maybe no one in the room has corona. But what if one person does? That's all it takes to infect a few people, and then the liability risk for the venue goes through the roof. And the venue's like, "Well, now we just shouldn't have shows." Yeah. It only I mean, takes one bad incident where, like, a bunch of people get corona one at one show to stop every venue in America from even touching a show. Right, and that's exactly so what that's happened. My, in, uh... my concern is that someone's going to get trigger happy with like having a local show. And then it's going to turn out that five people all got Corona from this one show. And then it's going to impede any progress we would have made it with, you know, proper distancing and proper thought about how to approach it. Um, right. Someone's going to do it anyway. And I, I, you can't control humanity. You can't control music fans that are desperate for anything. But like, I just feel like someone is going to be, is going to jump the gun probably in one of these Southern states that they don't seem to be paying attention very much. Um, <laughs> not to put too fine a point on it, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, and I feel like a lot of people are going to get it because someone isn't going to do their due diligence. They're not going to be safe about it. They're going to not check, not make sure everyone has a mask on, not make sure that there's enough space. They're going to overfill it. They're going to get greedy because humans are greedy. We're all short of money. So if any venue owner that, assumes the risk of even doing a show they're gonna get carried away i think but yeah that's just a conservative that's an estimate that's not that hopefully that's not true and then you know we can have shows back you know and maybe in the late fall but i you know who's to say again i don't really know absolutely and so just you know returning it to the the lighter side of things sure you know how how was the tour you know before this all shut down um you know what stops did you play also i had a question did you guys play philly we did of all of those. We did. Nice. So did you, you connected with a uh, goalkeeper? Yeah. Yeah. They opened the yeah, show. Yeah. We just talked to Mark. They're, they're good friends of ours. Um, okay. Last time we played a show in Philly, we actually 
uh, slept on Mark's floor. Fantastic. Yeah, those guys are very, very nice, and they opened our Philly show. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, they they have a they have a great local draw. I'm sure you noticed that. Yeah, you know, people yeah, know people, their people shit. People care about them there. It's awesome. Um, yeah, but tell us a little bit about the other stops you guys sure. had. Absolutely. Um. So yeah, the Pride and Disaster. We basically hit, um, like the Midwest and then the full East Coast before the tour got canned. Um. So we started in Toronto. Uh, we played Toronto, Cleveland, Detroit. Um, and then we went to, I think, um, where did we go after Toronto, Cleveland, Detroit? I'm like, not look I'm like, where's my tour pass somewhere? It says, <laughs> on it. you know, it's like, you know, you know, and then all of a sudden you're, someone asked you exactly what order they were in and you're like, well, I know <laughs> yeah. this city, but I don't remember which one was first. But, yeah, you know, our yeah. listeners are very picky and they, they care about the details. <laughs> yeah, right? I'm sure. they're gonna come at you. <laughs> yeah. Get it right. <laughs> the, yeah, but then then we proceeded to play uh, Philly, Boston, New York City, um, and Orlando and Atlanta. I think uh, are. Oh wow. Yeah. Where'd you guys play in the city? In New York City, played a uh, knitting factory. Yeah. Oh really? That's yeah. sick. I've uh, I've seen a few of my friends play there. I, I work in this city, so oh, awesome. I'll go there after on a few, you know, Thursdays and Fridays and go watch shows. For sure. That's a fun little venue. Oh, we uh, we love Knitting Factory and we were it sold out like over a month in advance from the tour. We were thrilled. We were really happy about it. Um, congrats, man. Yeah. Uh yeah. So the the first week of the shows, the shows leading up to the, the coronavirus cancellation, they were incredible. The most of the, most of the shows were sold out and then the ones that weren't sold out were extremely close um so we were floored we were having the time of our lives we never had uh you know shows go that well for us you know we were we were you know obviously optimistic and you know we we know our value especially on the east coast and the west but you know we were still like you know there's a chance we go on tour and even if we have good support bands people may not care like it it's always a chance you know you're, you know, we were competing with like much bigger tours, like that Silverstein Four Year Strong Tour, and you know, lots of other tours, the Grayscale Tour right before it. Um, so there was lots of tours happening in that time frame, and we're like, man, I hope people care. <laughs> I hope people want to go. You know, <laughs> it was our first headliner. Right. It's important, you know, the success of that headliner. It, you know, it, 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 you know, even now, it still sort of determines our future. Our sales at those shows and the fact that we sold out the ones we did still matter, and that affects our guarantee in the future and you know, our net worth for the markets and stuff like that. So, you know, we were extremely nervous and it went, it went really well. Um, the shows were incredible. People knew the new songs just as well as they knew the old songs. We heard huge sing-alongs um, to songs that we'd never even played live before. So uh, we were floored. Uh, you know, we, we try not to get too sad about it, but like me and Zach talk about it all the time. We're like, man, God, I wish I could just, we, I wish we could have just finished the tour <laughs> and it would have, everything would have been a little better if it wasn't, if it didn't get cut short half, right halfway through it. Um, but yeah, the first 10 days were amazing. Yeah. I mean, you could look at it as like you guys tested the waters, you know, as your first headliner and it, it sounds like immensely successful. Yeah. Yeah. We were, we, I mean, even, even some of the shows that we didn't get to play, those were sold out too. We just didn't get to play them. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, we Chicago, L.A., uh, Columbus, Indiana. Um, yeah, there were there was a few more that were like close to selling out or could have sold out. So 
yeah, we were, we were floored, but you know, hopefully we get to like do a, like a do over, you know, we get to do like a pride and disaster tour part two or something like that. Um, and you know, make it, make up for lost time. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think people would be abs- totally on board with that. I mean, it, it sounds like it, it would, it was successful this run. I, I couldn't imagine it wouldn't be successful this time. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think, I think people will be enthusiastic and so will we, I, you know? Yeah. And like, also, I mean, just shifting to the other side of it, you know, you guys put on a good live show, but also like, the new album is fantastic. I can't say enough good things about it. Um, you guys, I noticed you explored, you know, a few new, I guess you could call it like musical flavors on it that, you know, kind of deviated from what you usually do. Yeah. And you, you really stuck your necks out and, you know, it, it proved to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. We just tried to like it, sort of, you know, every band, you know, you get the uh, sophomore slump fear, right? You know, you're like, Man, if we don't play it too, if we don't, we play it too safe, people are going to think we're repeating our past. If we go too weird, people are going to think we are abandoning everything we built. So you have to find this like weird middle ground where your fans are going to be like, wow, it's new, but it's not bad. <laughs> like, so yeah. we, we, we had a lot of talk about Pride and Disaster because we we're like, it's record two. Um, it's our last record on equal vision records. So whatever we do next will be on a different label or independent or whatever we decide to end up doing. Um, you know, this, this second full length is going to be sort of the status quo for the next, you know, probably two years and it's going to represent us for a while. So we need to make sure it's, it's what we want, but it's also what our fans want. You know, you know, every artist says, you know, I write music just to be, a musician just to write music but it's like once you have a whole bunch of people that care about what you're doing it's not just about you anymore it's like you have to you don't want to sacrifice your integrity to give them what they want but you also like have to be acknowledging of what makes your band great and what makes your band great to them and i think when we were talking about songs and what people liked about our band going forward with pride and disaster we were like how do we amplify and make what people already like about sleep on it better how do we do that so i think that was a big topic of conversation and i'm glad that you know the 10 songs we ended up with are i think a fairly indicative of what that is i think there's a few things we didn't quite touch on as well as we did on maybe the, the overexposed but i still think it was the right record at the right time for us yeah, I felt like it was a logical next step, which, you know, it was some of the, the material on it was, you know, risky because you are also sacrificing, you know, oh, well, maybe if we try something new, you know, we, we might lose, um, you know, the fans that have been with us. But also at the same time, you know, the fans who are going to be stingy and not willing to adapt, may, maybe make up, you know, less than a quarter. Yeah. I would, you know, just guessing you know, people want to see you succeed. And, you know, if you, you produce a great album, your first round and you guys have been hot on the singles too there, um, you know, I could, I would expect like you guys in it's shown too, you've had you know, a very faithful community support you. Yeah. Our I gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, well, I was going to add too. you guys are, you know, you guys also, I remember when we met you back at beautiful, my place pizza in 2015, 
you guys had a oh my god a different a different different Holy singer and totally different sound and yeah uh, then you guys you guys you guys did like i always use this comparison because I, I think they did it beautifully you guys pulled like a hit the lights so you had a new singer and you found a way to soar with it and i think you guys you guys have found ways to switch sound even with a new singer and do it very well yeah i think the songwriting core the songwriting core remained the same right so the band, me, TJ, and Luca, the drummer, started the band in 2012, 2013, early 2013, for like re- in all reality. So TJ, Luca, and I, you know, did the majority of the writing the whole time, pretty much. You know, obviously, John, uh, our old singer, wrote some, and so did our old bass player, AJ, a little bit. And Zach, Zach writes a lot of like melodies and, and lyrics for the new stuff. But the core, two guitars and the drums has always been the same. And I think right. we've been able to, like, the three of us have been able to adapt with our lineup changes. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, yeah, we've, ha- we've had to adapt our sound a few times. But I think, yeah, it's moving in a progressive way. And I think that we're taking the right risks and we're doing it gradually. Because you, I, you know, I'm not going to name any bands, but there's you. we all know that there's bands that take this huge left field step almost out of nowhere where it's like, whoa, wh- this is barely what I even liked about this band. Why Why right. did you do this? And you right. have to respond because that's what they wanted to do most of the time, you know, and it's like, that's cool. Yeah. Like, I support whatever artist is doing what they want to do with their career, but sometimes that artist has lost sight of what makes that artist great. And we were, you know, again, we were trying to like avoid that situation happening to us at any time because people did like our old right. stuff too. So when we, we had to reevaluate our sound when Zach joined too, because we're like, I mean, Zach sounds completely different than our old singer. John was like nasally and his voice kind of lended more towards like a post hardcore grunge sort of sound. And Zach is way more pop rock forward, even just straight pop forward. So we're like, okay, how do we take what we did before and adapt it around Zach's voice? and still sound like the band sleep on it. Um, right. So it, 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 it worked out, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It, it's definitely always something we're thinking about and we try to take incremental steps towards different sounds. I think Pride and Disaster songs like under the moment, which I don't think it has really oh. any punk like to it. That's it's not a punk song. There's no suit. It's not a super fast. It's a shuffle beat almost a pop song really there's distorted guitars but it's it's very pop forward but it felt like it still felt like us it still felt like it felt fresh and even even more us than it had ever been we're like we're you know not again this is not some sort of like self-serving backpack but like could anyone else write under the moment i i don't know i don't know anyone that wrote a song that sounds like that it, it's got its own feel and that you still have yeah. like that punk feel to it too through Zach's yeah, vocals. Yeah. They're, they're, like you know like his vocals definitely give it that like punch that punky punch yeah. zach's rasp and then there's like the gang vocals in the chorus too that have that you know me and T- that's me and tj double doing the right. gang vocals um so there, there's like a punk rasp to it but it's very much a pop song structure um right and you know i was nervous about it i'll, I'll be completely real on the podcast right now we that was the second song we recorded for the album and it was wow. January 2nd, 2019, January, maybe January 3rd. Um, we were, we were with Mike green. Uh, we had only worked with him one other time 
uh, on the song Disconnected. Um, and Mike Green, if you don't know who Mike Green is, he is an extremely successful producer. So he's pretty intimidating. Uh, he did Paramore's first record. He did a lot of Pierce the Veil, all-time low stuff. He did the new Jer Jeremy, like, from A Day to Remember in the Marshmallow song. Like, he did that. Um, wow. The new all-time low. Where is he based out of? Uh, L.A. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, he's an absolute monster. Um, and he's, <laughs> yeah, he's insanely talented. And he was like, you know, and I was like, you know, he, we started working on Under the Moment, which, by the way, literally came out of us just sitting in a room with Mike and sort of like messing around with some chords on a guitar. It literally, we didn't have a demo. Like there wasn't a demo. It was just, hey, I like this chord structure. Um, and then like Zach started writing lyrics in the studio while we were making it. And I was like, this doesn't sound like sleep on it. And they all looked at me and they're like, no, but also, <laughs> of course, at the moment, all I had was the instrumental track, right? I had synth, some very clean sounding guitars and that shuffle beat that, that is in the, in the, in the, in the end song. So I was like, this sounds like pop. Like this is not us. Um, and you know, obviously I, you know, I was nervous and I was, I, you know, for me, I'm, you know, very, I'm very like, I don't want to make the fans mad. I don't want to like, you know, I, I really care about what our perception is and how great our fans have been to us. So I was like, this is like, not what I was thinking when we were talking about the record and, you know, to everyone's credit, they were like, no, it'll be okay. Cause we're going to put Zach's voice on it. And it's gonna sound sick. And I was like, okay, I have reservations about it, but I'll I'll be quiet because I knew that the rest of the record wouldn't be all like that. And then now when I listen to it in context of the entire record, I think it's great. And I it, it's become a huge song for us. It's it, you know, it has tons of like, you know, streams, organic streams, and our fan, fans tell us how much they love it. It's one of the loudest sing alongs, and it's still one of it's only it's not even a full year old yet. So it's like, you know, it's, it's a super valuable song or discography and I'm grateful that people love it. But it was like, at the time I felt like the world was crumbling around me. Cause I was like, this is just not <laughs> us, you know, but that's, you know, that's what you, happens when you sort of like think you have to operate under a certain bubble or genre or even song structure or like whatever um, you get in your own head as a musician. You're like, is this what I want to be making? And sometimes you have to let go of that rain a little bit. You have to you have to ease it back because especially when you're working with someone as talented as Mike Green, you have to be like, look, this dude has a platinum record. I should probably let go of my ego and just like <laughs> let him do it, you know? And you know, that's something that I was hesitant to do, but I'm really glad that I like didn't like try to fight him on it or make the song more distorted or try and make it more punk or something like that. I'm really glad I was just like, look. You guys trust him. I will also trust him. And, I, you know, I'm obviously it fits great in the record now. I love the song. It's amazing live. So very grateful that that song like didn't my my nightmares about the song were it, the exact opposite. happened. It's funny. Yeah, though, you, that's, you touched that's on a, something big, too. Like I've always I've always like pushed like vocals can like always make a song sound so much different than it actually is. Yeah. Because we we did some we did a couple of new songs back in March and one of the ones we did that like when they sent it to me it was like very different than like anything like I've sang over or done stuff with like and and uh, 
I was like weary with it at first, but then as soon as I got going with it and putting vocals onto it, I was like, all right, this sounds exactly like where I want to go and like where I want it to be. And I think I think a lot of people out there forget how much like vocals can really affect a song. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I again, like I said, I was probably just getting ahead of myself, but yeah, you if your singer's voice is unique or even not like super unique, but like it's that's so much part of your sound. Vocals are what people listen for slight inflections in their voice is what gives a band their sound so you can change a lot of instrumentation and remain pretty true to yourself yeah and to your point about you know combining kind of like new elements or different elements into an album like if you take it song by song you're like wow this one is way different from you know this one but also it's what makes an album you know you guys aren't doing just like an ep this is yeah. a piece of art this is a full-length album where you know if i look you know i look back because like obviously albums are kind of rare these days you know it's it's very much an ep or yeah. single kind of environment so when you develop an album i feel like it kind of brings back the opportunity to show you know, your full range of the band and also songwriting ability. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely, I like, we're very much an album band. Like our, we, our favorite bands are our favorite bands because of the albums they make, not because of their singles, their albums. We're very like album centric. And I think we're not opposed to unconventional single releases or doing things a different way, but ultimately we still care about a bunch of songs as a body of work called an album. I think we want that flow and that story and it all to sort of like reflect. I like that. A reflect a certain period of time and, and have its own piece of the world is that, is that body of art is an album. I think that's still really important for music. I think it's really important for any music that is focused on songwriting and not on like hooks or catchiness or like it, it's completely different for rap. Like it is a whole different ball game and <laughs> I respect rappers and I, I totally understand why rappers release music the way they do, but I don't think that's necessarily what people want from our genre or our section of the music sphere. Like I, I, that's, we could try releasing songs like rappers, but I think it would feel disjointed and it would feel like, how do these songs connect? Were these even recorded at the same time? Like, you know, it would feel weird because ultimately someone would want to want to own it. You know, people would be like, well, how can I listen to this at once? Or am I listening to 10 different singles? Right. That's a really good point. And like to your point about, you know, timelines recording, you know, what you're feeling one month, because our music is very much, uh, I guess, influenced by what we listen to as well. You know, we wouldn't be here without listening to the bands that we listen to. Right. So it's like what I could be listening to one you know, week or even one month might change how I want to song write later on. So I think, you know, doing the album, taking, you know, however long it takes, sitting down with it and really coming up with a concept for what you want to do is, I, I think it's a beautiful way of, you know, producing something that as, you know, massive as an album is these yeah, days. I, I, I also love too with, with albums, like hearing stories of like behind the album, not just like the song, like how all these songs like from the, like 
the beginning to the last song on the album, like depending on where they wrote it or how they, it's just like the story and how they all like string together. And like, you really get to meet and really kind of like know these people in a way. That's like really deep how I just explained that. And I'm not that deep with it, but like, <laughs> it's like, it really like, it like, it's, it's cool. It's not, it's, it's cool to look back at the story. Like me, especially like I write lyrics and things. So, like I always like lyrics, especially I, when it comes to an album, when you listen from like the start to like the end of the album, just, like listening to like the content changing, but also still being the same at the same time. It's, it's really cool. So mm-hmm. I, I very much like the album idea as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So, so Jake, we are coming up on time. Um, what I usually like to do at the end of every episode with our guests is we'll leave a few minutes for you to just do um, any shout outs, give us any updates, um, you know, for what you guys might be working on in the near future, what you're looking forward to. And then at the end, um, we'll sometimes throw in, we'll do a, a beer of the week or like drink of the week just to keep things yeah. exciting. Um, you know, we're all sipping out something this quarantine. So anything to break for the mold, sure. you know, for sure. I was to say, we didn't really, I mean, you guys didn't ask them any questions, but you guys could ask me a few more questions if you want. Um, I don't have a ton to promote. Like we've just been doing streams on Twitch, uh, Twitch TV dot slash sleep on it, sleep on it music rather. Uh, so like I'm doing a cooking show and that's fun. It's like a fun, different, like non-musical way that you can interact with our band. Me and Zach host this cooking show every Saturday on Twitch. Um, it's been really fun so far. Amazing. Um, we just released a quarantine song, like a joke, kind of like a joke PSA, uh, called stay at home. That has like a very silly music video. Um, yeah, yeah it's cool. I, we, it was just kind of like a last little, last little, like, you know, our friend, Mark McCluskey, who mixed friend disaster, he's Chicago based, at least for the time being, uh, he, his studio is in the same place as our practice spot, uh, in Chicago. So it's just like super convenient to like record something with him. So he was like, guys, you guys should do, um, you should do a, like a quarantine song for fun, just for fun. And then we're donating the, some of the, most of the streaming uh, revenue from that to uh, the World Health Organization. Not to say that I think we're going to make a ton of money off the streaming song, but I think it's the thought that counts and it's, you know, putting your money where your mouth is. So um so yeah, we yeah. just got that. That's pretty much all we got right now is we're doing some Twitch streams, uh, some spor- sporadic uh, acoustic streams um, here and there. Um, and yeah, we got that new quarantine song out just for fun. Um, but yeah, if you guys want to ask me a few more questions, if you have anything else, yeah. I'm an open book. I know we don't have a ton yeah. of time, but it's all good. Yeah, I mean, Jake, uh, from one Avery, what do you got? Um, you know, down to talk about some gear and some, you know, like what's oh, yeah, I'll Avery, say you're a little quiet there, bro. Right, dude, my bad. Um, and so, you know, one guitarist <laughs> to another, you know, I'm always curious about other gear and whatnot, whether, uh, mm-hmm. you know, guitars and amps and stuff, other, uh, you know, pop-up bands are using, yeah. just, you know, kind of pick your brain about it if you want to talk about that a little bit. For sure, yeah. Um, so up until this last tour, I used a Mesa Boogie Triple Rec with a Mesa cabinet, 4x12, um, uh, and I was and married to it. I was married to that, that setup. But the guys, we just switched to in-ear monitors um, in the X32. So we're completely digital now. Uh, and I have a crate, uh, not a crate, a Line 6 Stomp, HX Stomp that I really like, actually. Um, it's extremely versatile. There's hundreds of settings and you can amp mods. It's kind of like a baby Kemper, yeah. if that makes any sort of sense. It's like a mini yeah. Kemper. Um, not quite as many uh, options and not the same amp profiling, but still very versatile for a very small 
rectangle. <laughs> um, and I basically just uh, profiled my Mesa on the HX stomp. And honestly, it's not quite as good, but it is damn close. And uh, everyone told me on our headlining tour how great it sounded. And it's really nice not having to lift uh, a 4x12 and an 80-pound amp head every night. I'll tell you what. Because my back sucks. And, uh, yeah, so that's been really cool because it's, it's so chill and easy. Um, I actually have, like, a mini head rush. Like, it's like a small 8-inch cab just for a little stage volume. It gets pretty loud even even for a small cabinet, uh, just for a little stage volume. But, yeah, it's all through the in-ears. Um, and then as far as guitars, I have a bunch of them. Um, I have an American Strat, uh, a Mexican – no, I have an American Tele, a Mexican Strat, and I actually just got a custom guitar um, from my friend Matt Soul that has, like, the Sleep On It logo burned in the oh, fretboard. It's really cool. cool. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, that's, that's like a weird Tele hybrid sort of thing. Um, but it's completely customized by me. It's gold and black hardware. You can look at my Instagram and see it. It's really, it's a really cool guitar. So I just started playing that live. Um, I have a bunch of other guitars too, but those three are the ones I mainly play. Uh, sometimes I play Gibson, um, Les Paul from time to time, but that's more for dune, uh, down tune songs. Gotcha. gotcha. That's awesome. Yeah. I always like to you know, hear other, the kind of, kind of gear and, you know, pick other people's brains about, you know, what, what they're playing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I use I use just a Hall of Fame reverb and then a Line Six, um, like the Line Six delay uh, pedal. I'm pretty pretty simple as far as pedals go. Yeah, Avery just went from a Mesa Mark Five head to a uh, Kemper, so he's pretty stoked on that. Very very similar. Das Kemper. (laughs) I'm trying to explore, you know, a bit. Just it's it's so versatile, so just it, it works well for me, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Avery's always you know, uh, rocking you know, that uh, state champs profile in practice. Until he gets home, though. He, he literally it. just got his seven <laughs> string in today. Very true. Very true. I like, I like some heavy stuff on the side when I'm not playing a pop punk. There you go. I like heavy stuff, too. Actually, I, that's, that is one thing. I just put out um, a, like a small side project called Epilogues. Um, there's only one song, but it's it features me screaming and singing on it. Uh, it's definitely much heavier than anything else we've ever done in Sleep On It. It's kind of like a ghost inside thing, uh, sort of. Um, and uh, yeah, I just that single came out like last week. Um, kind of didn't like promote it super hard. I'm not like pushing it, pushing it because it's like obviously what am I going to do in quarantine? But I'm probably going to put out some more music under that moniker. Uh, in the future with my roommate, Eric, he's the other person doing it with me. So, um, where can uh, under epilogues on Spotify, it's on Spotify, uh, Apple music. Nice. It's on everything, uh, all your streaming platforms, including YouTube. Yeah. It's called epilogues and the song is called hostage. Um, uh, yeah, it's on, it's on my social medias too. If you follow me on any of anything, uh, I've posted about it relatively recently. Um, but yeah, epilogues is the name of the, the project. Nice. Let's That's check awesome. that one out. Yeah, it's fun. I love that. Yeah, it, it reminds me. We we had a guest on a uh, Fred Tyler Christensen. He was in a few um, mm-hmm. metalcore bands, and he you know just went out on his own and, and produced his own. Um, I guess it's still kind of metalcore, hardcore. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's it's very heavy. Cool. It's called Variables. 
Um, I'm sure it's, you know, kind of like similar vibe. Yeah. But it's, it's cool to, you know, pick the brain of somebody who's like been able to go out on their own and, you know, decide like, I want to, you know, test this out, test the waters. on. Yeah. This I mean, I'm one of those dudes that's like, I am so open-minded when it comes to music. Like if someone wants to do any sort of music project with me, I'm usually open-minded about it. It's more about time really. And because I have so much time now, I have a home studio. I have a pretty nice mic. You know, I have like, you know, all my guitar gear is at my apartment. So it's like, if someone wanted to, if someone was like, dude, you want to do try a pop project? And I could be like, yeah, I can try it. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be good at it, but like I have all of this free time that I will never get again. Cause you know, once this is the crazy part is that you know, the, the silver lining in this whole pandemic is that you have the most unstructured free time you will ever have ever. It will never be like this. it will almost it's never weird, be right? like this again. It's true. You'll never have just four months to do whatever the fuck you want. Nope. Like if you think about it like that, it's <laughs> insane. Of course there's limitations. You can't do whatever the fuck you want. But when it comes to something like music, it's like, bro, this is an opportunity. This is not you should it should it should not be squandered. You know, I've been playing guitar every day more than I've ever played ever, really. Like I, I pick it up every single day before because i had a job and i would bartend and i'd come home at two in the morning i wouldn't play guitar like i I, i'd be exhausted i'd go right to bed so it's like but with the quarantine i'm playing every day because why not i have nothing else to do i might as well get better at my instrument i might as well try to record heavy songs or pop songs i bought a midi keyboard because i'm trying to figure out how to do beats i don't know why not like so i'm trying to take full advantage of this like unstructured time and I'm down for whatever. Like, if, if whoever's listening to this, I don't, I don't, I don't know how many people are gonna listen to it. But like, if you want to collaborate with me, I am an open book, and I, I will at least hear anybody out. You know, it's not, I'm not guaranteeing I'll be able to do whatever that person wants. But I, I, I have nothing else to do. I like making music, no matter what it is. So that was actually one of the things I had in my notes. Um, you know, my like pre-recording uh, notes was that. You guys have definitely kept busy. You know, there hasn't been anything falling off on your end. You know, you adapted very quickly, it seemed like, at least from the perspective of, you know, what I'm seeing on your social media. Like, I really respect that. You know, you guys Thank are you. a very hardworking band. Just, Thanks, you know, man. Just I appreciate put that. that. Out there. Yeah, I mean, I am not just me, the Zach and TJ and Luca, that we all know how short people's attention spans are. And, you know, Sometimes distance makes the heart grow fonder, but a lot of time with music, eh, people just forget you. <laughs> you know, if you're not if you're not, well, if you're not yeah, active yeah. and you're not in the forefront and making an effort, you know, I don't think you need to be annoying, you know, per se or like overbearing. But like, if you're active, then people are like, this band is actively they're still an active band, even though they're not playing. They're they've they they don't they're not slowing down. They're trying to provide their fans with what they want, which is how we're approaching our activity in this quarantine time. It's like, yeah, I'll do a podcast. Yeah. I'll do an acoustic session. I'll do a cooking show. I'll record this song or that song. Like why not? Because that's just more fuel for our fans fire. That's what they, they content is everything. You know, it's like what that's, that's the only way you survive when you can't actually just play shows. That's our main revenue. That's our main goal. We want to play live music for people so they can enjoy that. We can't do that, so we have to do everything else to try and replicate that want for that one thing we can't give you. 
And that's kind of how we well, approach that. As someone who's a, a friend of you or follows you on numerous uh, social media platforms, you have, a, you have a pretty amazing presence <laughs> on pretty much every platform that you're on. Very engaging, like good on pop culture. You're very good on social media. I think that's definitely definitely very helpful. I, I, I love that. Thanks. Yeah, I, that's something I've sort of like it, – it wasn't a direct result of the band, but I realized very quickly – that if I could also be, if I, you know, I being, this is myself, I'm not being someone I'm not when I'm on Twitter, but if I could be witty and relatable as well as push my music, that's just incentive for people to follow me and figure out what I'm about. There's a lot of people online and, and fans at shows will tell me, they're like, I didn't even know your band, but I followed your Twitter first and I listened to your band and I love your band. <laughs> And I'm like, that, that's you it. have some pretty amazing tweets. That's, that's, that's my job is done there. Like, that's like, that's the whole point is that if they can be curious enough about what I'm doing, then they're going to be curious enough about what my, I post about the most, which is music. The most, that's my passion. That's what I care about. My band is my baby. You know, it's like, if they see how much I, you know, if they find value in my presence, then they often will be curious enough to check out the band. And that's worked out for us a lot. You know, it's not just me. And like, my other bandmates are not bad at social media by any means, not even close, but you know, I think I'm, <laughs> I've always been social media focused. Uh, I graduated from Columbia college, Chicago with a degree in music business, arts, entertainment, media management, whatever you want to call it. It's got a very long ass name. Um, but that was, you know, my, that was a 2008 to 2011 or so. Um, so it was kind of like right when Twitter started. Um, and I got kind of ingrained in my, my head. They're like, if you want to be a successful mus- musician in the 21st century, you, you, social media is unavoidable. You you have to either surrender to 100%. that it's it's necessary. You can resist it all you want, and you can be a low profile band, but it's in your best interest to be flexible and on top of it and know what's going on, and you'll be more successful for it. And I feel not definitely like if you don't write good songs, people aren't going to care. But if you can write really good songs and give them you know, be present and be there and be on top of pop culture and music culture, then that is just extra incentive. That's more visibility for your project. Social media is not everything, but it certainly helps. Um, So I've kind of always had that approach to the band, uh, even when Sleep On It was very, very small, Um, you know, trying to make sure that people knew what I was about. Um, But yeah, I appreciate the compliments. Um, It's not something I like... (laughs) It's not like my goal every day or something like that, but I, I do, I do enjoy it. I do. The internet is a double-edged sword. It always will be. Um, but the, it's at, it's most fun when you have people coming together over usually humor for me. I think the, like pe- making people laugh on social media is like one of my favorite things. It's like, if you can find the humor in something, anything really something dark or something not dark, but if you can find the humor in it, I think that's always, that's what unites people. Laughter always makes people come together yeah it's truly I, I rant a little bit. i'm really sorry i'm like, <laughs> and, this is like um so you get, you get me going and i start talking no man <laughs> no man I, I just great i love it this is this is fantastic content um sure. but i do have one final question i'm not sure if you're a drinker but um beer, of, beer the of the week um i would say yes, sir uh king sue from toppling goliath um that's I think it's an Iowa brewery, but it's widely distributed in Chicago. It's a double IPA. Um, 
It's got a Tyrannosaurus Rex on the front. It's pretty mm-hmm. badass. It's just, it's just a great beer, though. It's badass. got a 100% uh, rating on ratebeer.com. Um, it's one of the best double IPAs I've ever had. Um, it's expensive, but it is worth every penny. Hell yeah. I don't know how widely distributed it is, but if you can get your hands on uh, even the Pseudo Sue, which is like it's pale ale, like lower ABV cousin, is also outstanding mm-hmm. and probably more widely distributed. But uh, Top and Goliath is just a great brewery. Great, great brewery. I think you're the first person we've had on who's as into beer as I am. Oh yeah, I'm a bartender. So uh, <laughs> I work in a, oh, I work yeah. at a craft beer bar in downtown Chicago. But well, before all of this bullshit happened, uh, and hopefully when it resumes, if the bar is yeah. still there. But um, yeah, so I'm I'm one of the main bartenders at that <laughs> at my the Franklin Tap, which is my craft beer bar that I worked worked at for a long time. So I'm very I'm very into the beer scene. So um, yeah. Yeah, my girlfriend and I, we we homebrew at the moment, but we're trying to grow that. But we wrote a, like a beer blog for a little bit too. So, you know, we had a lot of fun with just testing out beers and everything. So it's, it's, nice, to, it's nice to hear somebody else on who does the same. Excellent. I love that too. Yeah, beer is awesome. I mean, I, you know, I, I try not to drink it all the time because obviously, you know, try not to try to keep my figure. But, you know, it is. I feel, I feel that hard. <laughs> and uh, a really good beer is almost irreplaceable. There's nothing like it. Yeah, I'm sitting with some single cut uh, Jetty set right now. And I'm I'm quite happy. Nice. I know I, I know single cut for sure. Hey, next time you're in New York, man, hit me up. We'll we'll get some we'll get some we'll get some beer trade. I, I like that. I like. <laughs> next time we're we're allowed to travel. Do you mean? <laughs> yeah. Next next time you're allowed to travel and you find yourself in New York, yeah. we can we can talk music and trade. I, I would be about that. <laughs> I am very about that too. Absolutely. And if you're ever in the New York City area, um, I live right across the Hudson in Jersey City. I, I work, like I said, I work in the city. If you ever need a cool. place to crash, my apartment's open. Um, you know, I've, I've housed a few sure. bands before. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely, man. But, hey, I, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. You know, you guys are doing great things, um, you know, despite the difficult circumstances right now. I have, you know, no doubt in my mind that once everything starts going again, yeah. um, you know, your fans are going to show out I be- again I with just as much strength too, as they had before. It's going to be uh, an unprecedented time for the music industry when everything resumes. Cause it's good. It's going to happen. It just, I, I we agree. just don't know when. And that's, what's hard. It's like, you know, everyone wishes there was a clear date. It's like, if it was December 3rd, 2020 and everyone knew it was going to be all right, then it'd be so much easier. It's like, I just got to make it to that. But if this this flexible timeline, everything keeps changing in every state at different rates. That's what makes this hard. It's mentally taxing. You think you're in the clear, and then all of a sudden things get extended. And I found that what, right. And then they start talking. Yeah. Then they start talking about it like a resurgence and all. Yeah, that. It's, it makes brutal. It even more it's brutal on your mental health. Um, never mind just the music aspect. Just the entire situation is that you get your hopes up because you start seeing a positive report. Or, you know, someone does put a date on something, but then it's immediately backtracked and and increased even longer. So, you know, obviously now I'm at the point where it's like, just let it happen. It's going to happen when it happens. But I I do believe truly that I think it will be an unprecedented time for live music when we all feel like we're okay to go back. And it will be 
probably like nothing we've experienced yet because I think people will be so grateful it's there. You'll see experiences and shows like you haven't seen in a very long time. People are going to want to get out and do things, so they're going to start looking for anything. And so I, I highly agree with what Music you will be extremely – it'll be more valuable than it's ever been. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I can't wait for that moment, man. Um, you know, really proud of you guys. So uh, hopefully yeah. this isn't the last time we have you on. I, I think this has, been, this has been great. And, you know, I, I expect a lot of people to listen to this and, you know, engage with it. Um, but yeah, man, I, I really appreciate yeah. your time. Anytime, oh, guys. It was, awesome. it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I love talking about music, love talking about beer. Um, yeah, anytime. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right, man. Yeah, thank but you, hey, guys. You I appreciate all now, of you. Right? Um, yeah, thanks, thanks for having me on the What Makes Sense podcast, right? Yep. Is, that, yep. is that correct? Yeah, we're, we're not nonsense podcast? Okay, it, the yeah. nonsense podcast. <laughs> It says what uh, on the yeah, anchor on. thing. It says what makes sense. So I was like, "That's it." Turns out that's oh yeah, that's no, but that's profile. cool though. That's cool though. <laughs> Anybody listening though, go on Spotify and type in "what makes sense," and you'll like what you hear. <laughs> yeah, you'll find. Okay, guys, yeah. you have a great rest of your night. Thanks <laughs> for having me on the non no nonsense file. Hey, nonsense man. Podcast. You too. Yeah, I can't even say it. it's fine. I'm drunk. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, it's even better. It's even better. <laughs> All right, guys. All you right, have a great night. Thanks for uh, having me on. All right, brother. Have a good one. Yeah. Come on and tell me why we cannot fall behind. I cannot remember every flame we burned when we were young. You're with me every night
<laughs> so now I'm eating some sour cream. Yeah, and yeah, chips. yeah. Ooh, that's good. Dude, I got the baked ones, and they're so much better. Oh, baked is the best. Is they really are. Lays? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would I would do some bad things for uh, Lays baked. Now nah, I know. I'm going to get you one day. We'll they, be on tour. Oh, but... Also, the, the bags are way too small. They make them absurdly small, and then they fill it, like, halfway and i'm like what if they fill it with air <laughs> no, not dude air yeah air. yeah yeah no it's actually like it's the big i need a like fucking 65 yeah i need a family-sized bag yeah. of those they don't make they them. say like, the, the bag i was laughing in the store because it says 65 percent less fat and i was like this should say 65 percent less air they yeah, probably sell better there's fucking <laughs> air in there yeah but they oh man it's criminal that they haven't made a family size bag out of that. Like, I, what are you doing? 